Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you today to church uh, to the to week four of our Christmas series, Overlooked. And I'll be preaching a special Christmas Eve message tomorrow, so make sure that you're here for Christmas Eve. Um, but I, I was thinking about it. Uh, when I was a freshman at Baylor, I was kind of wrapping up near the end of my freshman year. I kind of went through this, you know, self-improvement stage. And so I uh, went to one of my friends who lived across the hall from me in the dorm. And I said, hey, man, what is one thing that I could do, you know, to become a better person? And I'll never forget what he said to me because, honestly, it was, like, really hurtful. Yeah. And he looked at me, he said, you're conceited. And, and, and I, I, I almost said, I was like, who are you to talk to me like that? And then I thought, well, okay, that's kind of conceited. So, okay, I won't, I won't go that route. Uh, but he was, I mean, he was dead serious. I mean, he was like, you're conceited. You know, and it's, it's never fun to hear, you know, someone say something about you, you know, that is, you know, like that. And you know, hear something about yourself that, you know, you just really don't want to hear. But honestly, I, I, I was. I mean, I was conceited. I mean, I was, I was proud of the things that I had accomplished, um, the things that I had achieved. I, you know, I had the attitude of I could pretty much do anything that I set my mind to. Uh, I can achieve any goal that I, I set out there for myself. I, you know, I mean, the truth is I, I really was conceited. And the Lord has used my friend's comment, he used it to start me walking down a path of, you know, toward humility, a path that I'm still walking today. Um, and, but part of my problem with humility in, when I was in college was I, I didn't really understand what humility was. I mean, I thought humility meant that you had to admit that you were weak, even like when you didn't think you were really weak. I thought it meant having an attitude you had to admit, like, oh, woe is me. I'm just not capable of anything. I, I, I can't do anything that I could possibly ever be proud of. So I'm just over here being humble, realizing that I can't do anything that matters in life, and I'm a big loser. You know, I mean, that, that's good. That, but there's a, that just didn't really feel like humility to me. And then I heard pa- uh, Rick Warren, famous pastor, gave this definition of humility. And it's your first filling in your notes. So go ahead and pull those out if you haven't done so already. He said this. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Think about that. Humility is not... Thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. 
And you know, he's right. Because humility is not, you know, trying to admit or to convince yourself that you're incapable or inadequate. True humility is just thinking of yourself less. Now, the danger of not being humble is that God can't use you. Actually, that's not true. God can use anybody he wants to. He can use humble people and he can use arrogant people. The danger in not being humble is that God won't use you to do anything significant that matters for his kingdom in this life. Because there's one thing that I know for certain. God will not share his glory with anyone that is arrogant and not humble. Because look, I mean, either you glorify God and call attention to him with, we, we do that with our words or our actions, or we glorify ourselves. But we cannot do both. And so God says he wants us to be humble. And, you know, and once I started looking for it, the importance of humility in the, in the life of a person who seeks to love God and to serve God and do great things for God, I'll tell you, it is laced throughout the entire Bible. I mean, once I started looking at it, it just started jumping off the page. And it, was, it was unbelievable how frequent I saw it and how vital a role it plays in the, person, uh, plays in the life of the person who follows God. And so, this, in fact, this theme of humility is so important, it is so vital that we even see it at the birth of Jesus Christ. So, Let's look at that birth, at that Christmas story, and then we'll draw some conclusions from it. So go ahead and pull out your message notes. It's in, follow along with me. It's in Luke chapter 2. Let's only read verses 8 through 12, okay? Here it is. And there were shepherds. I want you to circle the word shepherds. We're going to come back to that in just a second. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, I want you to underline town of David and either right above it or right out to the side somewhere, right Bethlehem, okay? Because town of David was just another you know, phrase or term for the, the town of Bethlehem. Today, in the town of David or Bethlehem, a savior has been born to you He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. I want you to circle the word manger, okay? All right. Um, Now, let me give you the scenario so that you can read it like a person of the New Testament era would have read this. Because, honestly, there are some elements here that are overlooked by those of us that live in 21st century America that, honestly, would have jumped out to someone who lived in the first century Israel, okay? Um, for instance, let's start with shepherds, that very first word that I had you circle, okay? Now, being a shepherd was not just like having, you know, any other job, like, you know, being a baker or a tanner or a blacksmith. No, no, no. Being a shepherd was one of the worst jobs that you could have. It was the lowest job you could have on the rung of the employment scale, okay? Um, it was smelly. They spent weeks at a time out in the fields watching over their sheep as they grazed. And they would live out there with the sheep for weeks at a time. So most of them did not have families. Or if they did have families, they were away from their families almost all the time. 
And, you know, being a shepherd was one of those jobs that if you couldn't get a job doing anything else, like, you could be a shepherd. It literally, it was one rung above being homeless. So, it was one of the most humbling and humiliating professions that you could be in. And they were the ones that came to Jesus' birth. Look, look at the city that Jesus was born in, Bethlehem. Actually, Bethlehem, it wasn't a city at all. It, it, honestly, it was really more like a village. Uh, it was sparsely populated. There were very few people there. It was seven to eight miles south of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, that's like where, where everything was happening. It's where everything was really going. That's where the action really was. So, um, it, so Bethlehem was, you know, it was on the outskirts it, again, it was sparsely populated, and it was about an hour and a half walk from Jerusalem. Very few people lived there. It was a tiny town. I, honestly, it was a great place to be from, if you know what I mean. Look at the third element that I had to circle, uh, manger. Okay, look at the manger. Look, uh, the manger, it wasn't some, you know, cute little box that, you know, that growed, glowed pale yellow when they laid the baby Jesus in it. Okay, that's not what it was. It was a feed trough for animals. And when they were there and they, and they were about to lay baby Jesus, I'm sure Mary and Joseph tried to find some fresh hay to put in there to cover up all the you know, half-eaten oats and slobbered on straw that was already there so they could have at least something to lay them in. And, but regardless, it wasn't clean. It wasn't sanitary at all. And yet these were the humble circumstances into which Jesus was born. Look, this whole major scene has been so like sanitized and commercialized, you know, by our society that it does, it just doesn't read to us like it would read to a person in the first century. So if we were to take the major story and put it into modern day context, it might sound something like this. So you say the Son of God was born in the world tonight? Yeah, he was. Where? Brookshire. Really? Yeah. He was born in a storage shed behind the Flying J gas station. They wrapped him in an old t-shirt and put him in a cardboard box. Seriously? Why would the Son of God be born like that? Why wouldn't he be born in some sort of like majestic or holy place? You know, like Reliant Stadium, something like that. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve by giving his life for all mankind. And the path of his life would not be the path of pomp and circumstance. It would be the path of humility. You know, and the funny thing about the path of humility, the farther down that path you go, the more admired a person is when they get to the end. Think about the person that you've worked for in your lifetime, the person that you worked for that you admired the most. Probably that person that you admired the most, you didn't admire them because they were the most driven leader you've ever worked for. You probably admired that person because of how they treated you. 
Because they treated you like you really mattered, like your opinions were important, like they valued your input and your, um, your contribution to their company or your uh, team or whatever it was. They valued you and your position even though they were over you. You know, you know how to tell if a person is really humble? You can tell a person is really humble is when you leave a conversation with that person, you feel better about yourself. Why? Because it's not that that person thinks less of themselves, but they think of themselves less. And that's essentially why you admired that boss or that supervisor like you did because they didn't think of themselves less. I mean, think, think less of themselves. They just simply thought of themselves less. And so you felt great and you loved working for that person. Because look, the farther down the path of humility you go, the more the person is admired at the end. I want you to listen to these verses from the Bible. Just as I read, just listen to them. Proverbs 29, 23. A person's pride will humiliate him, but a humble spirit gains honor. Proverbs 22, 4. True humility and respect for the Lord lead a man to riches, honor, and long life. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look, bottom line, the Lord wants us all to walk the path of humility. It's how Jesus started off, right from his birth. And look, and it wasn't just like a symbolic thing. He lived it. And so he wants us to do the same. So let's ask this question. What can I do to make sure that I'm traveling the path of humility? Well, here's the first thing. Number one. I can use my higher position to serve those in lower position or to serve others of a lower position. I can use my higher position to serve others of lower position. Look what John chapter 13 says. John 13 verses 12 through 15, the Bible says this. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, and this is Jesus washing their feet, washing the feet of the disciples, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand What I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Look, Jesus says that he is the teacher and he is the Lord. Because that's who he was. But he did not use his higher position to leverage people of a lower position. Instead, he used his higher position 
to serve people in a lower position. And he did it with the disciples by washing their feet. You know, because the truth is, that was a job that was reserved for slaves. Because look, you know, people, you know, in Israel, I mean, they walked around with sandals on their feet down dusty roads. I mean, there were some people with some stanky feet back then. And so it was not a job that anybody of importance ever did. And if you and I are going to walk the path of humility, you have to do the same. You have to find yourself ways when you're in a higher position to serve those in a lower position. And not use that position, your higher position, as leverage to get that person to do something that you want. But use it as an opportunity to serve. Let me give you an example. If you're the boss at your company, you can order people around. You're the boss, right? But the wise thing to do would be to find ways to use your higher position to serve the people that work for you because they're in a lower position. Basically, what you want to do, you want to do anything and everything so that the people who work for you tell their friends, man, I love working for a Christian. My boss is so different than any other boss I have ever had. My boss finds ways to make my workplace better and not worse. I mean, my my boss bought me a comfortable chair to replace that old one. The coffee at our office is free. My boss finds ways to say yes to my vacation request than reasons to find than to find reasons to say no. You know, bottom line, if you find yourself in a higher position, you use that higher position to serve the people that are in a lower position. Now you might say, well, but Pastor Mike, I'm not the boss at my company or in my work environment. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be the boss to put this into practice. You just have to be in a higher position. You know, maybe... Maybe you're, you're training someone, and as you train them, serve them. Or maybe you have seniority, and maybe there's people that are you know, equal to you, but yet you have seniority. You're looked upon as the older, the wiser, the more experienced, and so you use your position to serve other people. Or maybe you're the lead person on, on a volunteer team. And maybe at church or around the community somewhere. Use your position not as leverage, but as an opportunity to serve. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, that is the path of humility. Let me ask you if you were in a, a, in a lower position and someone in a higher position was acting like this, what would you think about that person in a higher position? I mean, would you think, oh, they're so weak? No. You would admire them. You would admire them. Because you know that they could use their higher position as leverage. But they willingly choose not to. Instead they choose to serve you. And make your life better. Because look. The farther down the path of humility that you travel, the more admired you are at the end.
Now, there's a second thing we learn about how to stay on the path of humility, and that's this. I need to stay quiet and let God call attention to me. I need to stay quiet and let God call, God be the one that calls attention to me. Look what the Bible says in uh, James chapter 4, verse 10. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5 says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. The Lord says that you have to humble you. And now how do you put, it, put, put that into practice? Well, one thing the Lord calls us to do is he says, let him be the one that calls attention to you, to your performance, to your achievements, you know, to your results, that kind of thing. You, you need to stay quiet. Now look, I'm not saying that um, you should deny your achievements, but you certainly ought not walk around calling attention to yourself all the time. That's certainly what you shouldn't do. Let people find out on their own what you've accomplished and what you've done. Look, and if they never find out, well, then so be it. I mean, so, you know, so be it. For example, one time I was in a room, a, a room full of pastors. I was at a national um, coaching network. And, uh, you know, pastors, you know, they were networking and talking and visiting, you know, and, you know, that kind of thing. And inevitably, everyone asked this question, well, how many people? Are you running at your church? It, it, it was as if the pastor's importance was directly tied to how big the church was. You know, but I mean, here's the deal. If there's a pastor with 150 people coming to his church, but he serves in a town of 1,000, man, he is doing amazing, doing a much better job than the guy who pastors a church of 2,000 people that lives in a town of, half mil, of a half million. You know, I mean, it's mind-boggling what we do to self-promote. You know, so whether you're at a national pastor's coaching network or whether you're in a sales team meeting where everybody's bragging and talking about, you know, what they've sold and their numbers and their achievements, that kind of thing. Or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're, you know, a high school student and people are talking about their grades or their athletic prowess and what they've accomplished and all that kind of thing. Regardless, no matter what kind of environment you're in, don't call attention to yourself. Let God do that. Let him lift you up in due time. You stay quiet about you. I mean, look, what do these verses say? It says, he will lift you up. God will lift you up. Now look, it might not be right away. It might take a little time, but it'll happen in his time. Let me ask you, when you find out someone in your industry or your, um, you know, in, in your profession, when you find out that someone has achieved like spectacular results. They've done something really admirable, but yet they never said anything about it and you just found out? What do you think about that person? You're blown away and you're more blown away about the fact that they never said anything than you are about what they actually achieved. That is the path of humility. And remember, the farther down that path you travel, the more admired you are at the end. Now, the Bible says a third thing to us about how to walk the path with humility, and that is this, number three. 
jockey for positions of unimportance, not prominence. Jockey for positions of unimportance, not prominence. Look what Luke chapter 14 says. It says this, beginning in verse 7. When he noticed, this is Jesus, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. And I want you to underline all of verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, I mean, can you say it any clearer than that? Uh, And one way not to exalt yourself is to not jockey for positions of importance, but jockey for positions of unimportance instead, not, not positions of prominence. Look, and I'm not talking about like if you're being promoted or if you're being asked to serve in a prominent way. As long as, I mean, as long as you got there because you, know, you weren't you know, promoting yourself or maneuvering, that, that's fine. And you should take those promotions. You should serve in those prominent places. That's fine. But as a general rule, humble people jockey for positions of unimportance, not prominence. Now, look, that concept might be a little nebulous, a little confusing. So let me give you a couple of examples. Let's look at basically the example that Jesus gave um, or that situation. When you arrive for a board meeting or a team meeting or any other gathering of the powers that be, where do you try to sit? Where do you try to sit? Do you try to sit in the place of importance, kind of at the head of the table where you'd be noticed? I would challenge you. Take the path of humility. Sit at the position of the most unimportant. So look, and if, and if you know, the chief of the deal asks you to move up, well then, fine, that's great. But jockey for a position of unimportance. Not prominence. Uh, let me give you another scenario. Um, when you go out to eat with a group of friends, do you, strategic, do you strategically place yourself like in the middle at the table, you know, where you can be a part of all the conversation, a part of all the action? If, you, if a group of you at work decide that you're all going to go out to eat and you're all going to ride in one car, where do you try to sit in the car? Do you try to sit in the front seat? Or do you crawl in the back? When you're driving in heavy traffic, do you allow people to merge? <laughs> or do you try to nose out in front of that one guy and, no, and just nose him out? Because really, that'll get you an entire car length ahead. Jockey for positions of unimportance, not prominence. Look, I I know that the pushback, the pushback says, no, but Mike, if I don't seek places of prominence, 
then I'm going to get passed over. I'm going to get left behind. That entire line of thought is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in what God says. God says that he will lift you up in his time. So don't worry about it. Put it in his hands and let him do it. Look, and it might be that you don't find a position of prominence for a while. (laughs) That's kind of how Jesus was, right? I mean, he wasn't prominent at his birth as evidenced by the appearance of shepherds, basically people who are just one rung above homeless, born in a little outskirt village of Bethlehem in a feed trough. And he wasn't prominent growing up. You could even argue that he wasn't prominent for the first part and even the majority of his public ministry. It wasn't really only until the end that he gained prominence. But he gained so, but God lifted him up at the right time, at the proper time, in his time. And Jesus has now become the most significant figure in human history. Because remember, the farther down the path of humility you go, the greater you are and more admired you are at the end. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And I want you to check the next step or steps that you want to take today based on how God is, what God's inspiring you to do. Maybe it's this first one. I will ask God to help me to think of myself less and not just think less of myself. Would you check that box? Maybe it's the second one. When I find myself in a higher position, I will serve those in a lower position. Would you do that? I'm not talking about letting people be slack in their work if you're a boss or you're in that kind of a supervisor role. No, no, people need to work hard. But if you can find ways to serve them to make it, their work more enjoyable, you should. Next, I will not self-promote, but I will trust God to elevate me in his time. That's a hard one to do, isn't it? That's hard. But that's the path of humility. Next, I will jockey for positions of unimportance, not prominence. Would you make that commitment? Next, I'll memorize Luke 14, 11, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I, I, honestly, I, it cannot be said better than that. Incredible verse. Be a great one to memorize. This last one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. At the bottom of your message notes, right below the next steps, there is a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. Look, the reason that Jesus came was so that he could do the act of ultimate service by dying on a cross. And he died there so that he could pay the price for your sins and for mine. And the only way to go to heaven is not by being good. That has nothing to do with getting to heaven. No matter what you've heard, the only way to go to heaven is to accept Jesus' sacrifice as payment for your sin and commit to following him from this day forward. So if you've never prayed that type of a prayer, you'll, you can read it right there. If you've never prayed that type of prayer before, asking Jesus to come into your life, 
to pay for your sins, to forgive you for your sins, and then pledge to follow him forward from this day forward, you're not a Christ follower, not yet, but you can become one right now. Would you pray that prayer right now? And if you do, check the box, because I want to send you some free stuff in the mail. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table before you, just before you walk outside each of these doors. Just grab one on your way out today. Let me pray for you um, as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you so much for the fact that you sent your son to come to this earth, not to be served, but to serve. And it's through his unbelievable example that started at his birth that sets the example for us to walk the path of humility. And so God, I ask that you would help me do that. You would help everyone in this room do that. That no one would ever look at us and say, you're conceited. But instead, they would look at us and go, wow, it's amazing to see what you Christians do, what you Christ followers do. I want to be more like that. And so help us, Father, during this Christmas season to not overlook how the manger and the humility displayed there leads eventually to honor. And I ask you would help us all walk that path of humility. In the name of your son, I ask it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.